Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 121 of Just the Zoo of Us. On this week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with a guest expert who brings along a wealth of knowledge and insight into the uniquely charming nine-banded armadillo. You are going to learn about stuff like whether or not you should be afraid of getting leprosy from an armadillo, what pancaking is and why they do it, and little tiny clone parades scuttling through the underbrush. Our guest's specialty may be disease ecology, but the most infectious thing you'll find here today is a genuine love and enthusiasm for our scaly pig-snouted friends. Just the Zoo of Us presents Nine Banded Armadillos with Carly Haywood. everybody this is ellen weatherford i'm here with just the zoo of us this is your favorite animal review podcast and this week i'm really excited to speak to a brand new friend this is carly haywood say hi carly hello (laughs) i'm so excited to be here I am so excited to talk to you. This is going to be really fun because today we're talking about an animal that I'm actually surprisingly familiar with. They live in our neck of the woods. So like I have a little bit of a personal connection to this animal. We're talking about nine banded armadillos today. But before we talk about armadillos, let's talk about Carly. Can you give our friends that are listening maybe a little bit of an introduction to how you got involved with this work in armadillos? What does that uh, journey look like for you? Yeah, so I pretty much always knew that I wanted to do something with animals, but I wasn't really sure exactly what. Like when I was a kid, I always told people that I wanted to be a girl who babysits pets. And then it's like, okay, well, we'll move on to something else. Like maybe a vet that that didn't really seem right either. But then when I got into college, I was like, oh, there's actually a thing where you can just go and study zoology as a whole. So I went and did that. And then while I was in my undergrad, I was kind of trying to figure out where I could get basically any form of research experience. So I was contacting a bunch of faculty like, hey, do you need help in your lab? And then I ended up being put on part time in the parasitology lab. So a lab that studies parasites. So for my undergrad, I was in there working part-time, like doing a little bit of my own research on parasites. Then I graduated. I ended up getting a job in Idaho studying ground squirrels. And that was so much fun helping out with that research. Yes. But while I was there, I emailed my advisor from SIU because he was one of my references. And I was like, you know, just so you know, I got this job in Idaho. Thank you so much for the reference. And he said, oh, that's great. If if there's anybody there who seems like trustworthy or like hardworking or something, we have a position opening up for a master's student and um, we're going to be doing a project on armadillos in Illinois. And I was like, well, like, I'm trustworthy. Like, I can do that. <laughs> me? Me? Maybe it's for yeah. me. <laughs> so I ended up going back to SAU and doing my master's after I was done with the seasonal position in Idaho. The project was just so cool because armadillos are super new to Illinois. Like, they're expanding their range northward right now. And so when I was an undergrad, I really didn't see them very much at all. But then even just coming back, I mean, I'm probably not the right person to talk about how quickly they've spread there because I went to not really looking for them to looking for them. So I probably started seeing them more because of that. But just like roadkill in general, I was like, man, I do not remember seeing this many armadillos here when I left. But yeah, they got to Illinois around the 70s, I think, is the first sighting of one. But now we have full-blown breeding populations of armadillos there. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't 
thought about them spreading, right? It makes sense when you think about it, because, like, that's what animals have been doing all along, is, like, their populations have been shifting and moving around. Yeah, but you yeah. don't think about that happening, like, in real time as we're witnessing it, you know, like, watching these animals move into new places they haven't been in the past. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Is there much of a difference between the armadillos you'll see up north and the ones we've got down here in Florida? No, they, they're the same exact species. Part of my thesis was testing them for disease because in Florida and in those like southern regions of the United States, they do have um, leprosy. So I was testing them for leprosy and then a blood parasite that is called Trypanosoma cruzi causes Chagas disease. Mm. And then I was also looking for like intestinal parasites. So we were trying to see, well, is there a difference between the armadillos in the South and like the parasites and diseases that they carry versus the ones in Illinois? Like, do we have to worry about them spreading new pathogens to animals here? When an animal is moving into a new area, you know, like we've talked a lot about invasive species, right? Mm -hmm. Like animals moving into a new area. And a lot of times what people want to know is like, what does it matter, right? If there's Mm -hmm. a new animal in a new place, why is that important? Like, what is the impact that they're going to have on a new place if they just haven't been there before? But I don't think people often think about the introduction of new diseases and new parasites. It's like the animals that have been there this whole time might not be prepared for stuff like that. They've never had to encounter diseases like that. Yeah, absolutely. And armadillos aren't considered like quote unquote invasive. Part of that is because we really don't know the effect that they have in these new areas that they're moving into. But the other part of it is that they're moving into new regions as a quote unquote natural response to climate change and habitat alteration. So it hasn't been entirely because they were introduced by humans, which is like a partial prerequisite to being an invasive species. But what I did end up finding out is that armadillos in Illinois right now do not have leprosy. The ones that I have tested were not positive for leprosy. They were not positive for Chagas disease, and they don't have any of the parasites that are specific to armadillos in Illinois. They have been geographically isolated from parasites that are specific to them. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people down in the South where I live immediately associate armadillos with leprosy because I feel like that's something that a lot of people have already heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that makes people very cautious of armadillos and a little bit fearful of them. Do you see the same association up North, even though they're newer to the area? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) I think it's especially because they are newer to the area that people are more apprehensive of them. And yeah, the second you mention an armadillo, people are like, do not touch them. You're going to get leprosy. But they get a bad rap for it because they're really the only species besides humans and one species of monkey that can be naturally infected with leprosy. But we do think that humans gave leprosy to armadillos, not the reverse. (gasps) So it was our fault. Yes. (laughs) But so the thing with leprosy, do I recommend that you touch any wild animal and bother it? No, but it is actually very hard to be infected with leprosy. So people have like a natural immunity to it. 95% of people have a natural immunity to leprosy and we don't really know how it's spread, which is another kind of scary thing about it, I think. But we do know that it takes prolonged contact with somebody and typically prolonged contact with a relative. Because if one person has leprosy, they have like the genetic disposition to be infected with it. Because like I said, 95% of people have this natural immunity. So it's like you have to be in prolonged contact with somebody that you're probably related to. And then, I mean, it can be treated with antibiotics. So it's really not as scary as you would think it is. It sounds to me like it's not as still leave the armadillos alone and give them their space, but not out of a fear of leprosy. Like, that's not your biggest concern. (laughs) Like, it can happen, but there is a very small chance that it's going to happen. And I think it's just the unknown of like not knowing how it's spread. There's very hard to do research on it because it can't be cultured in a lab. 
And once you get it, it has an extremely long incubation period. So it's like once you've been infected with it, it'll be three to seven years after exposure before you start showing symptoms. Wow. Yeah. So the contact tracing is very difficult. (laughs) I've also never heard of anybody. I personally have never heard of anybody that I know or have any connection to actually contracting leprosy. Right. Um, And we live in a very armadillo high area. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's not very common at all. The cases of people having leprosy are pretty limited to those areas where there are like the coastal regions. Mm -hmm. But we don't really know if that's due to armadillos being there or not. But all the armadillos that are positive for it are limited to those areas as well. So it could be like an environmental factor where like, I don't know if it's like the humidity or what it is there that maybe the bacteria is able to proliferate outside of the host there, whereas like it wouldn't be able to other places. That's like some people have thought about that, but there's not really a whole lot of proof for it. So armadillos maybe need a W in the PR department. Yes, they really do. (laughs) They need a little bit of love. Um, I find them absolutely adorable because they have a little piglet face Mm -hmm. and I'm just over the moon about it. But I think a lot of people maybe don't have a deep appreciation for armadillos. So let's see if we can change it today. Yes. Let's get some some pro armadillo content out there. For people who may be listening, who maybe don't live in an area where armadillos are terribly common, could you maybe introduce people to what they are? I mean, yeah. people might be seeing them and they think like, what is that? Is that a rodent? Is that like, a, yes. you know, it's, a, it's like a mammal, but it's got scales on it. Like what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things about them is that there's this picture from like the 1600s in this natural history book. It's an illustration and it is like three turtles and then an armadillo. <laughs> They're like, armadillo is turtle? Uh, unclear. <laughs> so <laughs> It's got to fit in somewhere in here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so for a while there, people were like, is it a reptile? Like the thing has scales. But then they got put into this group that included pangolins and aardvarks. And it was called Edentata, which is like without teeth, which doesn't really make sense because anteaters are the only ones in that group that actually don't have teeth. The rest of them do. Then we find out, okay, actually, pangolins and aardvarks are in their own separate categories and armadillos are not included with that. So now we know definitively that they're in this clade called Xenarthra. They are included with sloths and anteaters. So they are all originating in South America, and they all have this commonality with this unique articulation of their vertebrae, which is what Xenarthra is named after. I can't explain very well what the vertebrae looks like in comparison (laughs) to other mammals, but that is what sets them apart from everything else. They got weird spines. Yeah, real weird spines. (laughs) And they also have... Uh, low metabolic rates and low body temperatures. So in general, their body temperatures are like two degrees Celsius cooler than like the average mammal body temperature. They're interesting little guys and they keep good company because anteaters and sloths are also delightful little critters. Yes, they are. (laughs) But they're very different, right? Because you've got sloths that hang out up in the trees and then you've got anteaters that, you know, as far as I know, spend most of their time on the ground, except for like tamanduas, right, that are up in the trees, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got little armadillos that are down rolling around in the dirt. They got yeah. so different. <laughs> yeah, they really aren't very similar at all. And I think that anteaters and sloths are more closely related than they are to armadillos. And there's a lot of different types of armadillos, too. You know, like there's the one that we know from living around here, our nine-banded armadillo buddy. But then there's like other different types, too. Like I know of like the pink fairy armadillo that mm-hmm. we've talked about in the past on the show, which is just so cute. It's adorable. Yes. <laughs> and it's very different from the other armadillos, too, right? Yes, it is. Especially because it has 
fur. And I know you were talking about the screaming Harry Armadillo as well in that episode. <laughs> and they also have fur. So yeah, there's just such a wide array of differences just within the group of armadillos. Like it's really crazy to see. Yeah. And what I think of like the defining characteristic of the armadillo for me, I think armadillo, I think of their shell yes. on their whole body, right? And it's kind of segmented. It's not like a turtle shell, right? A turtle shell no. is like one big solid piece. But right. then the armadillo's shell is more like accordion-like. <laughs> yes, no, that's exactly what it is. Like the folds of skin in between the bands, yeah, kind of move in an accordion fashion to give them a little bit more flexibility than a turtle would have. And I think it's also attributed to that their shell is not fused with their vertebrae like a turtle's would be. It's like on top of the skin. The only part of the shell that's fused with the vertebrae is the um, armor on the tail. Oh, it connects at the tail. Mm -hmm. How does that play out? Like if you're looking at like an armadillo skeleton, does an armadillo skeleton just look like the armadillo without the shell? Or does the shell like factor into the skeletal system at all? Or is it totally different? It's totally different. I believe that if you were to look at the skeleton of an armadillo, you wouldn't see the shell on like the body part, but because the rings on the tail are fused with the vertebrae, those might still be connected if you were to just put it down to the skeleton. And it's actually very hard to preserve the shell as well. Oh, really? Because they have those little osteoderms that aren't necessarily interlinked with each other. So they just kind of like crumble and fall apart if you don't preserve it in the correct way. It's like they're made of pebbles. Yeah. Oh, no, that's pretty cool, though. Uh, when you say osteoderms, can you explain a little bit like what, what that means? Yeah, so the osteoderms are literally just the bony little bumps that you see on the shell. And that's kind of the first layer of protection on the shell. But those are actually kind of a white in color because they're bone, essentially, just not connected to the skeleton. And then that is all covered by a thin layer of keratin. And that is actually what gives them the color. That's the part that's pigmented and gives them that grayish color. Oh, wow. They got free range bones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's a good, I think, transition into talking about our first category for the armadillo. Because our whole thing on this podcast, if you've never listened before, is that we review animals by rating them out of 10 in different categories. The first of which is effectiveness which for us, we define as physical adaptations, things built into the animal's body that allow it to do a good job of the things it's trying to do. So we're talking armadillos. Clearly, they have a pretty high defense stat that they're working Mm -hmm. with here because it's just a tiny little (laughs) piggy tank. (laughs) So what would you give the nine-banded armadillo out of 10 for effectiveness? Yeah, so I gave them a seven. Okay. Really, the only true negative that I can think of for them when it comes to how well their body is adapted for things is that their eyesight is just so terrible. Oh, no. It's so, so (laughs) bad. And living in Florida, I'm sure you maybe might have noticed this before. I've definitely heard stories of this happening to other people, and it's happened to me, where if you just stand still... They will just walk up to you and they will not know that you're there unless you make a noise or if they bump into you and then they're like, oh, shoot, okay, and then they run away. (laughs) Like, they just have no idea that you're there. (laughs) Completely unbothered. Yeah, no, they don't care. (laughs) Like, we have been going for nature walks out in, like, the woods, woods sort of area, and we heard kind of like a skirt, like a scuffling, like, in the underbrush. You know, we have, like, palmetto sort of leaves, Mm -hmm. so, like, there's a lot of, like, bushes on the ground and stuff we hear this sort of scuffling and it sounds whatever it is it sounds really like big it sounds heavy so we're like oh my gosh what is that so we stayed totally still and listened and then i don't know what it was that made a sound but whatever it was it spooked the armadillo that was snuffling around and it was like doing that little rooting around Mm -hmm. in the dirt and stuff like that spooked him and he ran It's like because we had stayed still to not spook it, it didn't know we were there. So it just like once it figured out we were there, it was like, oh no, and ran away. Yes, absolutely. It was really cute though. It is, it's so charming. 
what are they doing down there in the dirt? We see them like rooting around in the dirt all the time. What is it that they're doing? They're digging for insects. Armadillas keep digging little holes in my backyard. So they're mainly insectivores. That's part of why I'm going to give them a seven is because they have those big, strong claws and limbs for like digging their burrows and for digging around for insects and grubs. But they aren't as specialized with their limbs as some other species of armadillos are because they are mainly insectivores, but they do have a broader diet than some of them. So they'll still eat the eggs of ground nesting birds and turtles. They'll eat like small frogs and snakes, Oh my gosh. which is really crazy to me because they have teeth that lack enamel and their jaw strength is non-existent to me. <laughs> like I, when I'm going through their stomach contents, I'm like, man, you really don't chew at all, do you? Like, it's just whole beetles and grubs. So I really don't understand how they eat frogs and snakes, but it does happen. Well, and they got those tiny little snouts too, right? Like yeah. Like little thin sort of little noses. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm having a hard time imagining like how they could even get it to fit in their tiny little Exactly. Mouth. <laughs> that is my thought. Exactly. Uh, people that you know, don't know much about them. When I do say that I study them, some people are like, oh, are they aggressive? Do they bite? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think they have the capability of biting me if they even tried. It's really just the claws that you have to watch out for. Yeah. (laughs) Do they try to get you with their claws? Are like the claws even like a defensive thing at all for them? Not really. I mean, they, I would not categorize them as aggressive at all. It's definitely flight instead of fight. So the safest way to pick them up because of the claws for research purposes is to pick them up by the base of their tail. But you have to hold them away from your body because if you grab them by the tail, you know, if a predator were to grab them or something, they just start twisting their body around. (laughs) So if you lift them up like that, they just start like helicoptering their body in a circle. (laughs) So you have to like hold them away from you or else they're going to get you with the claws. Like I've definitely had technicians that like have gotten their shirts like ripped open and stuff because of them, but nothing too serious. Because of the way that they like roll up into a ball, I'm imagining like a wrecking ball just like yeah. <laughs> swinging around. Um, actually, so nine banded armadillos and most armadillos cannot roll up into a perfect ball. Only the three banded armadillos can roll up into that like perfect little ball where everything just fits. Oh, sure. Nine banded armadillos do this thing that has been nicknamed pancaking, where they just like (laughs) flatten themselves to the ground and like try to think small and like get everything in there, but they can't like roll into a ball. Oh my gosh. Because I was thinking of the little armadillo character from um, The Road to El Dorado. Yes. That cartoon movie. Like yeah. a little armadillo that rolls up and they use it as a ball in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one must have been a three-banded. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and that's such an iconic thing that, that like, I think of when I think of armadillos. I think of them rolling up into a little ball. Right. But not pancaking. That's what really <laughs> I know. Sad. I know. But I mean, their shell is their first line of defense and it protects them against predators and it protects them against brushy and thorny vegetation. So, you know, when you see an armadillo run, you're like, actually, that's a lot faster than I thought that was going to be. But they're not so fast that they can really outrun predators. It is, especially when you're trying to catch them, you're like, I this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> but... <laughs> But once they get into that thorny and brushy vegetation where their burrows are, it's very hard to catch up with them because they have that shell that's going to protect them and they can just keep running unbothered. Whereas something that's chasing them might have a harder time with that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And then it also protects them against each other because the males can be fairly territorial especially during mating season and they can actually really do a number on each other they can cause permanent scarring on the shells from fighting with each other oh no mm-hmm. how are they what are they fighting with right I mean, it's their claws but one of the best things i have ever seen in my life is so we would have trail cameras set up aimed at burrows just to 
make sure that there was in fact an armadillo there and it's not some other burrowing critter before we tried to trap them. And I always had the camera set to photo and video, especially after this, because the one day, you know, we're going through all the photos and actually one of my coworkers found this video and then showed it to me. But, you know, you go through all these pictures, you're like, man, this armadillo is just, there's so many pictures of this one armadillo. And then you look at the video and you realize, oh, it's actually two armadillos. And so (laughs) this armadillo is at the burrow and he's checking it out, sniffing around. And then the second armadillo comes out of literally nowhere, jumps (laughs) up and uses all four of its limbs to just like yeet the other armadillo out of the way. He was like, no, this is where I live and you need to get out of here. Oh, it was no, amazing. So rude. It's so rude, but it was like <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. When you mention him like jumping in, because I've seen them do that little hop that they do mm-hmm. sometimes when like something spooks them or something. They just, I mean, it's like they just levitate directly into the air because yes. they just like boing, straight up, <laughs> and it's so cute. It's hilarious. Yeah. But that also made me think of something else about them that like. You don't see this when you're looking at them. Well, I haven't seen this when I've been looking at them because you're you're so much bigger than they are. You're seeing them from like straight above them, basically. But if you if you see a video that's like from closer to their level, you can see they're on their tippy toes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is up with that? Do you mean like why they like seem like they're walking on their tippy toes? Right. Am I describing this correctly? You know how they're kind of like up on their like ballerina feet? Yeah, yeah. So they actually like do have the, it's called like plantigrade motion where like their whole foot is on the ground for the most part when they are walking. But I think it seems like that on hard surfaces and stuff because of the claws. So I feel like they like keep up on their claws more when it's not like a softer substrate maybe. That makes sense. I have a a one-year-old child who does the same thing. (laughs) If he's like crawling in the grass, he he spider crawls where he pushes his whole body up and he's like just on his tiptoes because of the grass. He doesn't like it on his knees. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm not sure if it's just the nine bandits that have that certain way of locomotion because I know with the three bandits, especially when you see them walk, like it definitely looks like the ballerina tippy toes. (laughs) And it is just sweet as can be. I just love it so much. (laughs) It's so cute. Hi there. We are going to take a super quick break to hear from a couple of our buddies on the Maximum Fun Network. When we return, we are going to talk ingenuity and aesthetics. So stay tuned to dig even deeper into the world of armadillos. Hello. I'm Pee Wee Herman. You might know me from TV. But I really want to be a DJ. It took some convincing, but KCRW finally agreed to give me an hour on the radio to play you some music with my friends. (laughs) Anyway, tune in for one hour of the bestest, most funnest time you'll ever have on the Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour. I am personally inviting you to tune your transistor radio in to hear me or Go to KCRW.com. Duh. (laughs) It'll be available for the whole week from November 26th to December 3rd. So you can listen to it again and again and again and again and again. (laughs) The Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour was produced by Maximum Fun and can be streamed on KCRW.com until December 3rd. Hey folks, it's me, James Arthur M., host of Minority Corner, your home through these bewild times for weekly doses of pop culture, history, news, nerdy stuff, and more through a BIPOC queer and allied lens. Y'all, we have been in a panorama for a whole year. The Ponda replay has been going for... We've been a Ponderosa for a year. <laughs> Wonder Woman it, doesn't like, even get to fly her own invisible jet. That was another thing. I was like, this is your jet. Think about the war on drugs. We must think of it as a war on black and brown and poor people to yes. only uphold the caste system of America. So join me and some of your new BFFs every Friday here on Maximum Fun to stay informed, empowered, and have some fun. Minority Corner, because together we're the majority.
The next category that we rate our animals on is ingenuity. And I'm excited to hear about this one because I have no information in my head about what armadillos are up to at all. So (laughs) what would you rate armadillos out of 10 for ingenuity? Yeah, so I'm so biased. So I really tried to uh, be fair with this one. Are they graceful or observant by any means? No. (laughs) But did I give them points for creativity? (laughs) Yes. So I gave them a five. (laughs) And one of the reasons why is because we were talking about jumping up in the air when they're startled. And this is maybe a way to confuse predators. Like if you come up on something and then it just jumps up in the air. I'm thoroughly confused. Yeah, you would be startled and maybe not start running and then maybe they can get a head start. Brings in the element of unpredictability. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, we have cars now. And if the predator is a car, like you're just jumping into a car. And that has not been very helpful for them. Poor babies. Yeah. And I don't think there's been any official studies on it, but they definitely get hit way more than any other animals, like mammals of their size, especially get hit on the road. And it's probably because of that, probably because of the bad eyesight. And then what comes along with that bad eyesight is that they don't have the eye shine that nocturnal animals typically do because they're lacking that it's called a tapetum lucidium. This is what reflects light back so they can like use the minimal amount of light that there is at night. Armadillos don't have that. So when you're driving your car, typically you'll see like an eye shine down the road and maybe you'll slow down a little bit, but armadillos don't have that. So there's less of a warning and so that's probably another reason why they get hit by cars so much yeah i definitely have seen armadillos like on the road as roadkill way more than i've seen them like out walking around healthy and thriving absolutely yeah when i do talk to people about them in illinois most people are like yeah i've only ever seen them as roadkill i have never seen a live armadillo which i mean it could just be because not that many people are out hiking as they are driving but they do get hit on the road quite a bit poor babies yeah have you found anything interesting about like the rates of them being found as roadkill or like is there much of a difference in like the areas where they're being found a lot as roadkill like i guess what kind of insight has your study given you about the armadillos yeah so i don't think there's been any official studies on the rate that they get hit in comparison with other animals i do believe that there was one that said that they got hit more often depending on the season. So in winter, they don't hibernate, but they move around a lot less. So they're not getting hit by cars as often as they would like in the summer months where they have wider home ranges because they're moving around more. I wasn't looking at roadkill specifically, but I do have a paper out where I just looked at locations of where we found either living or dead armadillos. And then I took different environmental variables and plugged those in. And then we could kind of look at based on the location and those environmental variables, where can we expect them to be in Illinois. And I did run into a problem with that because we had to use a land cover layer and that land cover layer includes development and roads. And over half of my localities were roadkill. So my model was like, best habitat is roads. And I was oh, like, no, no <laughs> wrong. Not it. Not <laughs> it at all. You're trying your best, but that's incorrect. <laughs> Okay, so they're really having a tough time navigating these roads at night. Are they particularly active at night? Like, is that kind of their time when they're usually up? Yeah, so they're considered nocturnal. I have had people be concerned when they see them out during the day because they think that means that they're sick or something, which is not usually the case. So they're mainly nocturnal, but 
in colder months, especially in their northern range that they're pushing, they will be out more during the day because it's warmer during the day when the sun is out in the winter. So in the summertime, they're mainly nocturnal, but then they'll be out more during the day when it starts getting cooler. And there's also a difference in age of when they're active. So with the adults, they're more likely to be out at night, but the juveniles will be out more often during the day. And this could be an adaptation to avoid predators. Because in South America, I mean, their predators are things like big cats that are also going to be out at night. And like I said before, they are not very observant at all. In my experience with trapping the pups, like they are not hard to catch. So it definitely could be beneficial to be out and about when your predators are not also out and about. Oh my gosh, I've never heard baby armadillos called pups, but Mm -hmm. that's my favorite thing I've ever heard. I love that. (laughs) It's so cute. And one of the craziest things about them that I was going to put into the effectiveness category is that nine-banded armadillos specifically are the only vertebrates that reproduce with something that's called obligate polyembryony. Polyembryony. I've never heard that word before. Yes. So polyembryony is like, if you break it down, it's like multiple embryos. But they are literally creating a tiny army of clones. Like (laughs) every single time a female armadillo gives birth, they have genetically identical quadruplets that are all the same sex. Huh. Specifically quadruplets? Or like, is there any other litter size? It's always quadruplets. Wow. That's so funny. We just talked about the Amazon Molly, a fish that reproduces by parthenogenesis, where they're all clones of each other. Mm -hmm. But this is kind of like a small scale cloning operation where it's like small small batch artisanal clones. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly that. And it's just so funny because the pups, like the quadruplets, will all stay together when they're foraging at the start of their life. When they first start emerging from the burrow, they will all stick together and forage together. And they just cause such a racket moving <laughs> around together, doing their little snuffling. It's it's so cute. That is very interesting. Does mama stay with the pups or does she just kind of go off and do her own thing? She doesn't really stay with them that much when they're foraging, but they do tend to share the same burrow for a little bit. So like she'll go off and do her own thing, but then they kind of reconvene at night. Okay. She's like a, eh, she's maybe a little bit of a hands off mom, but she's still there trying. Mm-hmm. She's trying her best. Have you had a chance to like see a mama armadillo with her babies? I've never seen this before, but I feel like that would be a real delight to see. I have seen a burrow where I know the mom is in there and has not emerged yet, but I have gotten to see. I had a resident that had a burrow underneath their shed, and there were four pups underneath there, and we were planning on capturing and tagging them. And they all just, oh my gosh, yeah, it is just so delightful to see them all come out of the burrow at the same time. Just, oh, they're so small. It's an armadillo parade. (laughs) Yes, it's, oh my gosh, that's the perfect way to describe it is an armadillo parade. And the first time that I went out there, you know, we have all of our nets and stuff to potentially tag some of them. And we were out there during the day. And they were used to the people that were living there. And when the husband started talking, it was like he was the Pied Piper of these armadillos. (gasps) And they all emerged from the burrow, like at the sound of his voice. What I wouldn't give for this kind of summoning power. (laughs) Right? It's like, it reminded me of like that guy with the flute and he starts playing the flute and then all those raccoons come out. I've seen YouTube videos where like people will play musical instruments and all sorts of animals are very charmed by it. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't think that armadillos, and it's like not even a musical instrument, right? It sounds like it's like this dude's voice. Yeah, it was literally just the sound of his voice and then they all emerged. I was like, I've, I've never witnessed anything like this. If you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons as a spellcaster who has access to the spell, um, is it Conjure Animals? I think it's a spell Conjure Animals where like you cast oh the spell. Oh my god. <laughs> like, 
summon a bunch of animals. I'm only ever going to use the spell to use my voice to summon an army of baby armadillos. Yes. I. Oh, man. It was the best thing. And I ended up grabbing uh, one of them so that we could weigh her and tag her. And... I mean, I got peed and pooped on, and it was still one of the best experiences. <laughs> it's but a small price to pay. <laughs> to just be able to hold the little bean. Oh, they're so sweet. They must be pretty good at hearing then if they can hear this guy's voice. And they have little kind of like bunny rabbit ears, don't they? Almost. Yeah, yeah. So they mainly, because their vision is so bad, they mainly depend on hearing, but then they also have a great sense of smell. So they kind of communicate more with chemical cues than they would with sound or anything with each other. They do a lot of scent marking and things like that to kind of define where their territory is at. So it's mainly the sense of smell that they use to get around and like detect predators and things like that. Do they make any sounds at all? Um, I have never heard them make a sound, but I read that they might be able to make little grunting noises, but I have never personally heard that. I would think that too, because of like the sort of piggy sort of look of their face. Yeah. I see a piggy yeah. Like look and I'm like, oh yeah, surely that thing must oink. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had an experience where an armadillo did something that was just like really surprising to you that really kind of caught you off guard? Um... I don't think they've done anything in front of me specifically that I was like, oh my God. But there are two different things that I wanted to bring up. And I'm very glad you asked this question because me too. <laughs> that is why I have given them the points for creativity because sometimes they do things that just seem so out of left field for that animal. <laughs> so when you think of armadillos, a lot of people the image that comes to mind is that they're like in a desert and like a tumbleweed is going by, which is not the case at all. They're more of like a swampy animal. Oh, yeah. But because they have that low metabolic rate, they are well adapted to hypoxic conditions, which means like not that much oxygen. So like their burrows are a low oxygen thing. But then that also means that they can hold their breath for several minutes at a time. Oh, wow. And they do this as kind of a last resort. But some of my techs have actually seen this happen is when they're running from a predator or something and they come across a body of water, they can sink to the bottom <gasps> and walk along the bottom no. of this body of water and emerge from the other side. No, that yes. is what? <laughs> that is absurd. So they're not swimming and they know they can't swim, but they're like, I'm going to roll the dice. <laughs> they can swim poorly. They can <laughs> swim along the top with like the doggy paddle thing. But yeah, their their secret talent is to be able to walk along the bottom and then come back up somewhere else. Oh my gosh. That is so unexpected. Yeah. That's like in a movie where the characters are like on the run from the police and the police are chasing after them with dogs, right? And they like run through a stream to try to lose their scent. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, armadillo on the run from the cops. <laughs> yeah, they have like the little like reed that they're using as a snorkel as they go by. <laughs> exactly, like very Scooby Doo of them. Some cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. It, yes, I there. Some of my friends were like, we saw an armadillo and and we tried to get close to it and call you, and then it jumped into the water and it didn't come back up. And like, did we kill it? <laughs> and I was like. No, he probably came up somewhere else. You just didn't see him. Wow. Yeah. But the other thing that I have simply read of them doing, and this was after I graduated even, that I heard that they do this. But there's only been one incidence of this where they've actually recorded it and like published it as a note. But they actually can use their shells as a way to protect them against venomous snakes. Oh. And there was an instance where this armadillo hunted a coral snake. And I put this in quotes because I was like, this, just this wording is insane. It says, the armadillo repeatedly ran towards, jumped, flipped over in midair, and landed on top of the snake with its back until the snake was dead. <gasps> 
No. (laughs) Using its body as like an anvil to drop on their head. This is like painting such a cartoonish character. (laughs) I know. Cartoonish image of the armadillo. (laughs) That's why I love them so much is because it's like, I just keep hearing these things where I'm like, this makes no sense for this animal specifically. Parkour. (laughs) And... To me, the image that I have in my head of this, like, from the snake's perspective, it's like the Indiana Jones boulder coming at you, except for the boulder knows what it's doing. A sentient boulder. Yes! (laughs) Oh my gosh, that poor snake. Because at that point, the snake's just got to be like, all right, well, there's nothing I can do about this. Nope. (laughs) Good on the armadillo, though. I mean, usually the venomous snakes are kind of like the top of the food chain, right? Mm -hmm. But they've kind (laughs) of... Turn the tables on him. Yep. And I guess he ate the whole snake, which, like I said, creativity points for ingenuity. Well earned. That You know, I feel like armadillos don't often get any props for intellect. You know, I think oh, no, because of how uh, frequently they fall victim to being struck by cars. I think that usually yeah. translates to a lot of people's brains. So like, oh, well, that just must be because they're not particularly gifted in the brain department. But right. you know, they have their own little clever things that they're doing out of our vision. <laughs> That's the thing is, yeah, they just, they seem like such an underdog and I want to root for them. <laughs> We're rooting for them today. You're getting yeah. your props today, armadillos. The final category we rate our animals on is aesthetics. This is pure from the hip gut feeling on how nice this animal is to look at. What do you give the nine banded armadillo for aesthetics? It is Obviously a 10. Absolutely. 10s across the board. Look at them. They're so cute. And they're a (laughs) mammal with scales. Like, when does that ever happen? They look like an alien. Best of both worlds, truly. They look like they're blurring the line between mammal and reptile a little bit. Yes, they do. Which is why I want to frame that illustration of them depicted with turtles. <laughs> now, you mentioned baby armadillos, and I am wondering if baby armadillos are cute, because I realize I've never seen one. Are the pups cute? Absolutely, they are. And at, when they're born in the burrow, they're um, like a pinkish color at first, and they're born with their shells are softer when they're born, so that it's easier for the mom to give birth, and then they harden over time. That makes a lot of sense. I'm sure mom appreciates that they do that. Mm-hmm. I did just look up a picture of baby armadillos and it is the cutest thing. They're just so sweet. They got their little, oh, they got little piggy noses and they have just sweet little bunny rabbit ears. Yes, I love those rabbit ears. I love a good armadillo. Like I've seen them not in a having been hit by a car context, probably only like maybe three or four times in my life. But Every time I see them, it is just such a little treat. Yes, it it just never gets old. It doesn't. And it's almost like they kind of, I like that the way that they move, it almost looks like they're kind of gliding over the ground because you can't really like see their feet over, under their shell. Yeah. So it looks like they're like, like hovering all <laughs> over the place. I just, I love watching them, especially because most of the time, you know that they have no idea that you're there. I just love how oblivious they are. (laughs) I actually worked in Mississippi this summer, and I was helping with setting up hair snares for uh, non-invasive bear sampling. And, you know, we're like making a huge racket because we're like hammering trees and stuff. And then just like, here comes this armadillo, like minding his own business, like gets super close, does not care that we're doing this thing. And then, you know, it'd be like, well, Carly's got to go stare at this armadillo for a second. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) These guys are just the epitome of just like no thoughts, head empty, just vibes only. They're (laughs) so cute. I have only ever in my life touched an armadillo, like, very briefly. It was at Bush Gardens, if you've ever been to Bush Gardens in Florida. Bush Gardens is kind of like half zoo, half theme park. Okay. Um, And they had an armadillo that they just had, like, out and about, like, with a keeper that was, like, you know, keeping tabs on it, making sure it was okay. And this armadillo was just kind of, like, scuttling all over the place. And I got to kind of, like, pet it a little bit. It wasn't super soft. It wasn't a particularly pleasant petting experience, but it was cool to do anyway. (laughs) Yeah. 
Soft is not the first adjective I would use to describe them. Yeah, even the skin on their stomach is just really thick and it's really bumpy too. It has like a bunch of little bumps all over it. So yeah, maybe smooth, but not soft. Got it. <laughs> And the hair that they do have is really coarse. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. They do kind of have a little bit of hair on the bottom, too, don't they? Yeah, they have, like, almost like a little like a little goatee kind of <laughs> on their neck. And then, like, their stomach does have sparse, coarse hair. Yeah, that part's not the cutest, but you don't mm-hmm. always get to see that. You can just <laughs> see them from their good side. Yeah. Well, I feel like we have maybe done some repairing of the armadillo's perception hopefully for a lot of people today you can at least focus on how absolutely precious and adorable they are and how goofy and silly and wonderful they are i so appreciate you bringing your insight and perspective on them before we sign off for today i would love it if you could leave folks with anything that you're involved with right now anything you want people to know about if there's any like action items people can take away um just anything you'd like to leave people with for today Yeah, so the only social media that I have that I think that isn't private is my Twitter. I'm on there at Mother of Daisy Puss. Daisy Puss is D-A-S-Y-P-U-S. That is the genus of armadillos. And yeah, if you have any questions for me at all, you can go ahead and go on there. Shoot me a, a DM. Always happy to answer your burning armadillo questions. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge today, Carly. This has been an absolute delight. Next time I see a little armadillo scurrying around, I'm definitely going to um, have a deeper appreciation for them. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Of course, it has been fun. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it was as fun for you as it was for us because it was super fun for us. It's always a treat for me to learn more about our own local wildlife If you liked what you heard here today, it would really mean a lot to us if you could leave us a good review on your podcatcher, like EGC Listens, Curta Rose, and Appelez Moi, who all left very kind words for us recently. You can connect with us on social media. Just search the title of the show and you'll find us, so come hang out or shoot us an email. My email address is ellen at justthezooofus.com. I'm not including a sneak peek for next week's episode because we have no idea what animals we're going to talk about next week. So feel free to shoot us an email if you have a request and we will give you a shout out if we choose it. We would like to say thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other fantastic shows like the ones you heard promos for here today. You can check them out and learn more about the network at MaximumFun.org. And while you're there, it would be great if you signed up for a membership to support us and the rest of the shows on the network. Finally, we'd like to thank Louis Zong for our spectacular theme music. And that's all for today. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported